Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Las Vegas, Nevada with my good friend Sean Coomer of MilesToMemories.com. Sean loves the energy of the people and how Vegas has incredible food from all over the world. In this episode, Sean shares why you need to visit Hoomer Dam and Red Rock, how to get $100 in free dining vouchers through status matching, and where you should stay on the Strip. You hear these three unique stories and so much more during this interview. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Las Vegas. Now let's get started. This episode is sponsored in part by the Dosh Cashback app. You know how much I love using miles and points when I travel, but using rewards isn't always an option due to blackout dates or when the whole hotel requires just way too many points for our stay. That's why I've been loving Dosh's new hotel booking functionality. Their rates are extremely competitive, and there are over 600,000 hotels to choose from around the world. Best of all, you can earn up to 20% cash back per night. That's cold hard cash in your pocket that you can use for anything. With all the travel I do, I've quickly earned a significant amount of money which I'm using to pay down our mortgage and save for our future. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash dosh to download the Dosh Cashback app today and start booking your hotels. Plus, you can get cash back at thousands of merchants that they partner with. Use the promo code TIMMY for a little something extra when you open up your free account. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Lee. So you live in Las Vegas, and obviously, like the, the, the saying goes, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But today, we're actually going to get the insider's tips on everything they do in Vegas, and also some things, some reasons why you may want to go outside of the Vegas, Vegas Strip to explore the other surrounding areas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, getting out of Vegas, you know, the Strip is one thing, and it's unique, but uh, we have so much to offer just a little bit outside. So what's your connection to Las Vegas, or what brought you to the city? I uh, grew up in Southern California in the uh, San Fernando Valley, just outside LA. We moved here when I was 11. So I've been here sort of since I was a child. When I was really little, we would actually come here on vacation, just sort of drive up I-15 and that's where we would go. And then when we moved here, uh, we didn't really go anywhere else, which I guess is probably why I developed my uh, love of travel. But so I've been here basically since I was a kid. Okay. So you've lived here for pretty much majority of your life. What would you say if, uh, if you had to describe the people or the city like in, in a couple words? I think the the big word I would use to describe, and I know that everybody out there listening has their own word that comes to mind when thinking of Las Vegas, but I would say energy. And this could be in a good or a bad way, but Las Vegas is one of those few cities in the world, especially if you're in the tourist areas on the Strip, that has a, a unique energy to it. And it's just always sort of happening and going 24-7. For the people that haven't really been to Vegas Obviously, it's in the middle of the desert. So with that, can you describe like the, the weather and maybe like the, what are the best times of the year to visit? Yeah, one of the, I think, the misconceptions people have about Las Vegas is that it's always hot here or that the weather isn't great here. But it's actually quite the opposite. Las Vegas has, you know, not the perfect climate. It's not San Diego level weather, but we have a really good climate here because it's fairly dry year round, doesn't rain very often. Yeah, it is the desert. So you have a lot of brown around. But the summer months are warm, like people would expect in the low hundreds would be our average high. I think we peak in July at about 106 as an average high, but we have very low humidity. So I know uh, where you live uh, in Tennessee, the summers are brutal because they're, you know, it's hot and it's humid and here it's not even humid. So it's not generally that bad in the summer, but the best places, times to visit really are the shoulder seasons. So like March, April, October, November, you're looking at highs in the 60s, maybe low 70s. Lows in the 50s, pretty amazing weather. When I used to live in California, we go out there sometimes during the summer. 
like you said, it's incredibly hot. I've seen times where it's like 120 or something like that, which is crazy. But there's a lot of pool parties at a lot of the casinos, things like that. So even when it's hot, you can still be uh, cool, have some drinks, and enjoy times with your friends. Yeah, and it's hot everywhere else too. I mean, it's it's in the summer. It's generally pretty hot in most of the country. So, yeah, you you know, summer's not the best, but outside of that, we have just a pretty amazing weather. Okay, so when people are coming to Vegas, obviously there's the one airport that's right there in town, and it's actually really close to the Strip, isn't it? Yeah, the airport's just about a mile from the Strip. And so, because it's so close, should people rent a car or should they just rely on public transportation, get an Uber? Like, what's the best way to get from the airport to their hotel and to the all the action that's going on on the Strip? Yeah, for a long time, our city was ruled by, like a lot of cities, I guess, around the world, by taxi and I hate to use the word cartels, but just taxi organizations, and they influenced a lot of the rules. And so we do have a monorail here that runs along the backside of many of the resorts, but it doesn't go to the airport, and there aren't any immediate plans for that to happen. So your basic choices coming from the airport are to take a bus or a taxi, which is generally expensive, or now we have Uber and Lyft, which are great. And so I think that's generally the best way most people are getting uh, to the Strip. Uber and Lyft uh, have their own dedicated pickup area, really easy to get to. In fact, they just moved it to a, to a much better area. If you do want to rent a car, I do suggest renting a car if you've never been to Las Vegas before. If you do want to leave the Strip and see some of the uh, other areas outside that maybe we'll talk about a little later. But uh, if you want to rent a car, we have a really great and easy uh, system to do that. We have a centralized rental car place. You just get out, get into a, the central shuttle. It takes you there. And then, uh, yeah, you're good to go. So renting a car is super easy and often very cheap in Las Vegas. I think there's a another a rideshare company that's kind of competes with Uber and Lyft. But is it primarily just on the Strip? Or can you get from the airport to the Strip with, with that one? Yeah, there's a new one. It's called Trip to Strip. And it's actually run by our regional transportation commission. So the same public company that runs the bus system. And it is a rideshare for places point-to-point on the Strip. And it actually extends further south, like a couple of miles south on Las Vegas Boulevard, all the way up to the North Strip. So if you're on the Strip and you're trying to get somewhere else, their rates are pretty – I haven't tried it, but their rates are pretty competitive to Uber and Lyft. And it's another alternative. Okay. And so that's primarily just while you're on the Strip? Or does that count like if you're coming from the airport? Yeah, that one is just for the Strip. So from the airport, if you're using rideshare – Uber and Lyft. We also have the taxis. There's a public bus if you want, which isn't very good. And then uh, renting a car would be your other option. Nice. Okay. So when you're talking about the airport, there's a lot of different ways to actually get to Vegas. There's a lot of low cost carriers that service the town and a lot of international flights are coming into Vegas as well, right? Yeah. Las Vegas is sort of the low cost carrier Mecca. It seems like lately Um, Allegiant Airlines is based here and they're actually going to be, they have the naming rights of the new Raider stadium here in Las Vegas. So they're getting bigger all the time. And Spirit and Frontier both have bases here. So they're expanding like crazy. So it seems like anytime I want to fly somewhere direct from here, it's one of those carriers. So yeah, we're well represented for those domestically. Southwest has a huge presence here as well. And then any of the major carriers like Alaska, American, Delta, United, all fly from their hubs to Las Vegas. And then, yeah, internationally, we have tons of flights to Mexico and Canada. And it's been great because our presence is expanding and we have uh, more flights to Hawaii now, which is obviously still domestic, but that's just got expanded. And then they've announced and just started Israel, France, Amsterdam. We previously had the UK. We have flights to Seoul, South Korea. So yeah, internationally, we're actually getting more and more flights too, which is exciting. That's really cool. So when we're looking at places to stay when we're in Vegas, 
should we stay on the strip? Should we stay off the strip? Should we stay downtown? Where's like the best place for people to stay? I definitely think everybody should stay on the strip at some point. If you've been to Vegas a lot and you're tired of the craziness, um, then it may be time to consider elsewhere. But I do think if you're here to visit, you should absolutely stay on the strip. Downtown can be a good alternative. It's The properties are a little bit older there, although they've been pretty much renovated. They tend to be a little cheaper. So if you're looking for, and drinks are a little cheaper, so everything's a little cheaper downtown. So if you're looking for sort of an alternate experience, try that out. But the strip won't, uh, nothing substitutes for the energy there. And I really think staying sort of center strip is the best sort of idea. So places like Bellagio, Caesars Palace. Um, my favorite hotel, I think, on the strip right now is Cosmo. Uh, the Cosmopolitan is just an amazing hotel. It's affiliated with Marriott, but uh, it has a great location, center strip. The casino is is there, but it's not too overpowering. Great pools, great service, just just a wonderful hotel in itself, in and of itself. And then it's right there on the strip too. Obviously, everybody knows that there's a lot of going on with like we talked about with the pool parties and casinos and clubs and everything like that and the shows inside of Vegas. But let's take a few minutes and talk about some of the things to do outside of Vegas that are, that maybe only really locals kind of focus in. Yeah, I know that uh, there's lots of really cool things to do. I think a lot of people uh, know, of course, about Hoover Dam and Lake Mead and stuff. And so they they go out there. And that's a really cool place to visit. But the Grand Canyon's only about a four-hour drive away. But even closer to town, we have less than an hour away, we have Lee Canyon and Mount Charleston, which is in the winter is full of snow. And you can even go skiing up there. Closer into town, only about 20 minutes away, is Red Rock National Conservation Area, which is just a gorgeous place. They have a scenic loop, which is about, I don't know, 10 or 15 miles to drive into the canyons with these just gorgeous red rocks and different wild animals. Sometimes you'll see wild burrows out there and things like that. And amazing hiking as well out there. And that's 20 minutes away from the strip. Cool. Let's back up for a second. Talk about Hoover Dam and those areas. Maybe some of the listeners haven't heard about those. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah. Hoover Dam actually was built just in the era of coming out of the Great Depression. And at the time, it was the largest dam in the world. So it basically blocks off the Colorado River and it forms Lake Mead, which is kind of our source of electricity, the dam is, and uh, drinking water, uh, the lake is. So it's really important to us. And it's just this really impressive concrete structure dating back 80 plus years now. So it's really uh, interesting to see. And it actually, the town right next to the dam is called Boulder City. And it's the only town in all of Nevada that doesn't have gambling, legalized gambling. They decided a long time ago they didn't want to have that. So it actually has more of a traditional small town feel compared to what you get elsewhere in Vegas and in Nevada, where you have sort of machines everywhere. Oh, wow. I don't know if I've ever been to Boulder. I know I've been to the dam and there's actually tours that you can go in there. You could you can go deep into the dam, exploring the the innards and, and understanding how it all works. And the, like you said, how it benefits the local community. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like I said, it's providing a ton of power for us. But yeah, you can actually, there's, so you can walk across the top. If, if you just want to sort of drive, you can drive across the top, you know, sort of look at everything. Look at the Pat Tillman Memorial Bridge, which is that new bypass bridge they built a few years ago, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, you can also do a tour where you go down inside the dam, see the turbines, all of that. There's also a tour, which I did a few years ago. I was actually hosted by the National Park Service out there, and it actually starts at the backside of the dam, so on the river side, not on the lake side. And you go up for about an hour on these pontoon boats to like beaches that you can only access via the river and hot springs, and then you end up 
on this place called Willow Beach, which is uh, this beach area. So that is that was an amazing tour to see kind of the side of the dam that a lot of people don't see and then kind of travel up the Colorado River. And that's another option, too. Is Lake Mead, is that part of, uh, is that the lake that's formed by the Hoover Dam or is that a different pot? Yeah, Lake Mead is the is the lake that is formed uh, by Hoover Dam. And that's the one that's, you know, right next to the dam and right next to Boulder City, which is just the town you drive through. And there is actually an amazing hike, speaking of hiking earlier. So when they built the dam, they had to build these railroads all the way basically from Las Vegas into where the dam site was. And that's how they transported materials. And then, you know, years later, they didn't need that anymore. So they ripped out the rail lines, but they have all these rail tunnels that overlook basically the lake and they're going towards the dam. And they've actually turned all these rail tunnels, this entire path into a hiking trail. So you can actually hike through these old rail tunnels overlooking the lake. It's a pretty amazing site. I actually wrote about it, but if you want to see pictures, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing site and you don't even have to pay to get into Lake Mead to do it. You can actually access it from the free area. Pretty amazing views. That's really cool. And I think we talked about it. Sometimes it can be really hot in the in the summertime. I know a lot of people kind of escape the Lake Mead and rent like a houseboat to go check things out and relax up there to get away from the heat, jump in the water. And then when they're done, come back out to Vegas and have all the fun you know, at night and, and enjoy all the great meals. Yeah. Lots of uh, houseboat fun on Lake Mead and Lake Powell and Lake Havasu and stuff. And yeah, they would be really cool. Just if you're ever going out on the lake, especially in the summer, just you know, be mindful of how much you drink and hydrate because people get really sick all the time out there. Oh, sure. Talking about food and everything, let's kind of go back to back to Las Vegas and let's talk about some of the best places to eat. So what are some of your favorites? Well, I thought for this, I know a lot of people visited Las Vegas and we have just about every celebrity chef imaginable has a restaurant here. So uh, I, you, I could certainly pick any of those restaurants, but I thought that I would pick some stuff that maybe is a little bit uh, less known. So we have an amazing Chinatown here in Las Vegas. It's right off the strip, maybe less than a mile from the strip. And uh, there's all kinds of amazing, authentic food, basically not just Chinese, from Korea, from Vietnam. I would recommend just any of the pho places in Chinatown that are just amazing. Jenny Pho is probably my favorite one, so I'll just say a specific one. But that is really close to the Strip. You're getting amazing food. But I know you came from Anaheim in Orange County, and they had all kinds of amazing pho over there. But uh, if you're not from a place that has a really good uh, variety of Asian foods, so many great places in Las Vegas is Chinatown. Yeah, my wife totally loves pho. And actually, we just got a couple of them here close to us in Nashville. So she's really excited to, to have that uh, that Asian food here. Just, it's really uh, delicious. And then we also have tons of great Mexican food here. We have a lot of Mexican people and uh, that, that live here and they've brought their food and culture. And it's we have just some amazing food. Uh, one of the best, if you like traditional like Mexican street tacos, there's a place and it's right on the strip. They have a couple of locations, but it's right on the strip. It's called Tacos El Gordo. And this is just like if you would you know, walk into sort of a taqueria in Baja, Mexico. That's how they're making the tacos. They're carving the, the meat right off the spit. And it's just, just amazing, amazing tacos. And it's located maybe a five-minute walk north of the wind. So it's right on the strip. Pretty cool. Right on. Yeah. I'd love to have some tacos, especially after a few drinks at the bar or at the, or at the casino. It's good to yep. always have some of that, <laughs> that Mexican food with the tacos for sure. And then um, there's another one you said that kind of for Disney nerds, because I know you, you're a big Disney nerd and uh, you love going to all the different Disneylands uh, around the world, but there's a little something, even though it's not Disneyland in Vegas, there's a little something from Disney uh, in that area. 
I know a lot of Disney fans, Disney nerds, especially like old school Walt Disney World people really love Earl of Sandwich, which uh, started in Disney Springs or downtown Disney at the time. That was its first location. And it was actually started by the family of the Earl of Sandwich in, in England. And they started the sandwich shop, which is really, really delicious. And they've grown a little bit since then, but they do have a location at Planet Hollywood and another one at the Palms. And so if you were always used to getting Earl of Sandwich when you're at Disney and you have a craving for that, we have it in Vegas too. Sweet. So yeah, because I know, like, like I said, you like to go to Disney on a regular basis. And uh, we'll talk a little bit later about your connection to Disney. But it's good to have that there when you can't actually travel uh, to go visit Disney World. So one of the things that, that Vegas is known for is having status and the loyalty programs and things like that. Uh, and we're not going to get too deep into into loyalty programs, but you do have a really good tip, I, I'm pretty sure, for, for being able to match to some status and get some really cool vouchers that, that can save you some money. Yeah, I think that we were talking about restaurants and celebrity chefs having restaurants. And one of the coolest, I think, hacks for people – I'm not going to go into in depth on it here. People can find the information about it on Miles to Memories, but you're able to fairly easily match from a variety of different programs into to Wyndham and then from Wyndham to Caesars, and you're able to get Caesars Diamond status. And like I said, the the mechanics of that you can look it up exactly how to do it, but it's fairly easy. And uh, once you get Caesars Diamond status, one of the benefits of that is a hundred dollar dining credit each year, and those can be used at most restaurants at Caesars Entertainment Properties. So thinking like Gordon Ramsay restaurants, things like that. And you get other benefits too, like waived resort fees and stuff like that. So that's a great benefit. If you are coming to Vegas, look up how to match to Caesars Rewards Diamond status because you're going to get money towards food. You're going to save. A lot of times you can get comp hotel rooms even without gambling all that much. So I think that that's probably our number one Vegas tip right now as far as uh, kind of being in the miles and points rewards space. Right on. Yeah. And, and Sean, what we'll do is we'll get that link from you. We'll put it in the show notes for today's episode. And that way it makes it a little bit easier for the listeners to find it. One of the things that Vegas is really known for is their massive buffets, you know, whether it's breakfast, you know, lunch, dinner, whatever. Buffets are like everywhere. Do you have a couple picks as far as the best buffets, whether it's like maybe Sunday brunch or like a, like a really nice dinner? Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple. So my favorite, I think every day, buffet and and I say this every day not meaning that you would eat it every day because it's so extravagant but just sort of it's available every day is a bacchanal at Caesars and that's going to run uh, between 40 and 60 dollars probably depending on if you go for brunch or for dinner but if you are a Caesars diamond member you can actually tell them and they'll actually give you better crab legs you get king crab legs and I actually just found this out so if you're doing this and you do the diamond match, you actually get better food. But Bacchanal is widely considered to be the sort of best buffet in town. And they have just amazing variety and quality of dishes. So you're actually getting good quality food, not typical buffet kind of slop food. So I, I really like that. And then the other buffet I wanted to mention that I tried a few years ago, and it's pretty amazing, it's Bally's Sterling Brunch. And this is this is actually kind of old school Vegas. It dates back decades. About I think it's $110 a person. You're talking about unlimited champagne, caviar, you know, lobster tails, just all kinds of decadent food and desserts and just anything you can think of. That runs only on Sundays inside Bally's uh, in their steakhouse there. And like I said, that actually has been going back uh, decades, and it's it's certainly a one of a kind uh, experience. It's not many buffets you can get uh, caviar. Oh yeah, absolutely. And for that type of price tag, it's not that's something you want to do on a regular basis anyways. I mean, you and I, we do really well, but uh, we're not high rollers like that. Well, and one of the cool things about sort of the miles and points hobby is 
couple years ago, it used to be $100 a person, and my wife and I each had our Caesars Diamond status, so we each used our $100 voucher, and so we got to experience that meal, and it didn't cost us a dime. So that's sort of the kind of cool thing about it, but it's certainly indulgent and and definitely a kind of a -a one-of-a-kind experience and a, a look back to how things used to be in Vegas, too. Absolutely. Oh, we only have time for one more question before we get into the final countdown. So I know there's a lot of really cool museums like the Neon Museum and like the there's like gangster museums and all these other types of things. What's one unique thing that people should do while they're in Vegas that maybe they might not think about? Well, we have some kind of cool, interesting, little quirky, you know, museums. I think I'll kind of take an, uh, a family aspect to it since that's not talked about enough. You have free things like looking at the flamingos and some of the animals at the flamingo, um, we have the pinball museum, which has, it's just about a mile or two off the strip and it has all kinds of historic pinball machines dating back to like the fifties and sixties. And you can go in there and play them. Ethel M has their factory here where you can go tour their factory and see the burns. So there's all kinds of free experiences, like lots that you've heard of, like the Bellagio fountains and stuff like that. All kinds of cool uh, free experiences though around town yeah, so I would just, instead of saying one specific thing, I would say, you know, sort of open yourself up and there's all kinds of free stuff. There's so many tourists here all the time that there's all kinds of opportunities. Well, definitely, Sean. I appreciate sharing all these tips and we're going to have links to everything that we talked about in the show notes. But now it's time for the final countdown. So if somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Vegas, where should they go and what should they eat? All right, so... I was thinking about this one, trying to think outside the box. And I, like I said, I'm not uh, huge into all the celebrity chef restaurants. I mean, I, I've eaten at many of them. I've enjoyed them, but I'm not like an expert at it. So I'm going to go old school here. And there's a place on the strip called Pepper Mill, which is also, it dates back to like the 1960s. And it's located right basically across from Circus Circus. It used to be right next to Riviera. Anyway, Pepper Mill is sort of an old school Vegas coffee shop lounge. They have like a a bar lounge area. Yeah, definitely include a link to their website, Lee, because uh, once you look at this place, it just screams old school Vegas in the absolute best way. And they have just amazing food. All of their sandwiches are great, great burgers. Uh, They have anything you can imagine, like old school coffee shop kind of meals, but all the food is high quality. But walking in there is sort of like walking into 1960s Vegas. And it's one of the few places that you can still do that. And it's right on the strip, so highly recommend that. What do you order when you go there? I like their club sandwich. That's generally uh, what I've had. But uh, like I said, their burgers are good. They have a really good Philly cheesesteak. And then uh, their breakfasts are amazing. I haven't been there for breakfast in a while, but like their omelets, I remember being fantastic. And I haven't ever had a bad thing there. So, You lived there for a number of years. What's your most memorable story of being in Vegas? So I was thinking about this and I know that it's another thing that people probably have all these crazy stories. So I'm going to tell one from when I was a kid. And when we used to come visit here, and my brothers were pretty, like, kind of insane. And we used to always stay at the Tropicana, which is still around. But back in those days, they used to have a water slide. And the water slide would only be open, like, during the day hours. And so my brothers figured out how to, like, open this shaft and then climb down into this hole and turn on the water slide at night. So we were always getting in trouble. Like, every time we would come visit Las Vegas, we were getting trouble. And we would be turning on the water slide and getting, like... My brothers would always get picked up by security and I would run away and stuff like that. But finally, one day we were sort of in the casino gambling and I was like, I'm going to say I'm seven or eight years old gambling at a machine in the casino. And we would do this for like a little bit and then run before we get caught. And we had found this area where there wasn't a lot of machines. And uh, I remember placing a bet and then all of a sudden the security guy grabs me from behind. I'm like, again, seven or eight years old and takes me to the 
security room and like I'm freaking out and my brother was with me but he was probably 13 or 14 so he wasn't that much bigger and then I remember all of a sudden my brother looked at me just made like a signal to run and we run out of the security room and like out this back door (laughs) and out into like the parking lot around the Tropicana like near the front entrance and we just keep running and of course we were staying at the hotel so they could have picked this back up if they wanted to but uh, I, I don't know that's sort of the old school Vegas things are so much different than they used to be if anybody used to come here it felt like a, a much smaller place, and now it's uh, it's different. It sort of reinvented itself. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's an amazing place to visit. You can have the craziest of times, and I certainly have other stories I could tell that would be you know not safe for for work, but uh, and not safe for PG audience. Yeah. yeah, but it's also a place, amazing place to somebody who's raised a family here and has you know taken people around. It's an amazing place to visit outside of that. So you can both have your crazy experiences on the strip, and then also get out in the nature see uh, the many other things we have around here and uh you know experience it we are a city of like two million people so it's a huge huge city now too so there's everything else you would expect in a big city here too yeah so that's my vegas story not nothing too crazy but at least i did uh, almost get arrested once uh, when, I, when i was eight years old well there's always a lot going on in vegas bars clubs you know drinking even while you're gambling stuff like that but where would you go for the best happy hour in town So the best happy hour, there's all kinds, again, all kinds of happy hours. And some of them aren't, sometimes with prices being in Vegas being so high, like a happy hour just brings the price down to like what you would normally expect to pay. But one is actually, I think it's kind of unique. It's at the Bird Bar at Flamingo. They used to actually have this happy hour at the Margaritaville Bar inside the Flamingo in their casino and where they used to do five cent beers for an hour. And that changed last year and now it's 50 cent beers. But from uh, 5 to 6 p.m. at the Bird Bar inside the Flamingo, 50 cent beers all hour. And uh, I think it gets quite happy in there. People get pretty crazy after uh, drinking 50 cent beers for an hour. So. <laughs> and that's after they've probably been drinking for a few hours before that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's the, it, I think that's the happiest happy hour in Las Vegas. Not as happy as when it was five cents, but uh, still pretty happy. Sure, sure. Now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is uh, I look for the best pepperoni pizza in town. Where would you say the best pepperoni pizza is in Vegas? There's lots of debate about this. I know uh, Pizza Rock is a fairly famous pizza place that's sort of become well-known nationally, and I think their pizza is pretty good. But my favorite pizza place, local to Las Vegas, there's a couple of locations here, but it's local to Las Vegas, is Metro Pizza. I think Metro Pizza has the best pizza in town, and I would definitely uh, recommend getting a slice or a pie from there. Is that close to the strip, or is that more like in the, the suburbs, or what? There's a few locations. There's one at Ellis Island, which is just off the strip, so or actually basically on the strip. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really close. Uh, you can get that one, or if you're uh, around town, there's a few other locations. You probably travel more than I do uh, <laughs> of anybody that I've ever had on the show, uh, and I know you travel a lot with your kids and everything like that, but what's your best travel tip? So my best travel tip, I think I'm going to go really high level with this because I think it's something that people struggle with, is to just to travel, just to take whatever barriers you're putting in front of yourself and get out there. And I know that people can have financial constraints and things happen in life, but more often than not, when I'm meeting people who are, they'll say, I've always wanted to go this place, but I can't. And they were always putting their own obstacles in the way. And so my number one travel tip before we even hit the road is get out of your own way. Um, because you're able to open up to so many possibilities. And then I know that you're a big fan of traveling with children and traveling solo with your children, as am I. And that would be my other tip is take your kids with you. Kids can travel pretty much the same as adults. It's an amazing impact on their lives. And so, yeah, I guess I'm going way, not as practical, kind of way high level, but I say 
look at the way that you think about travel in a different way and, and open up your mind and, and your children's minds. Absolutely. I mean, I think people always have excuses when it comes to traveling with their kids. When they're, when they're young and babies, they're like, oh, they're too young, they're not gonna remember anything. Well, guess what, we have, we have cameras, and me as a parent, I'm gonna remember him. And so don't worry about that. And then as you get a little bit older, they're like, oh, we can't miss school, or we can't do this, we can't do that. Sometimes you have to think about traveling with your kids as part of their education. They're gonna be have experiences that they can only read about in books in, in class, but they can actually see things in person that they're not gonna be able to see when they're when they're in class. So, you know, as long as your kid's doing all right in school, keeping up their grades and, you know, not having anything bad, taking them out for a day or two here and there, is that gonna be okay? And it's really gonna help, uh, I think, kind of cement some of their, their learning. You know, maybe they're learning about World War II and you take them to the beaches of Normandy so that way they can see it for themselves. I think like things like that, especially using miles and points like you and I do, is something that just is incredible and it makes the world such a smaller place. Yeah, absolutely. And and to the point of miles and points, there's ways to make family travel cheaper than solo travel. There's all kinds of tips that we could give you on how to accomplish it and, and you can figure that out. But I think, you know, not to hijack this a little bit to to talk a little bit about family travel, but I know it's a big topic for both of us and something we care about. It's just uh, amazing to see when, when people are able to do that. And it's really sad to see when people get in their own way. So always my number one tip to people is, you know, what are you doing to prevent yourself from realizing that travel dream and get out there and see it. Vegas is an incredible place. And through listening to your podcast and, and seeing the world, you know, we can just, there's so many amazing places and things to discover. So for sure. And so speaking of that, you know, you and I, we, we've been friends for years, but maybe some people in the audience don't know who you are. So tell us a little about who you are, how they can reach you and uh, you know, where they can find you on social media. Yeah, definitely. I am the founder and editor in chief of miles to memories, which is a miles and points blog on boarding area, same network uh, as, as your site. Yeah, so they can find me at milestomemories.com. We have a great team putting up uh, all kinds of great content every day. And then also a new site that I've recently launched, uh, disneyhacks.com. I've been to every Disney park in the world at least three times. We did all six Disney resorts around the world in six weeks earlier this year with my four-year-old daughter, my wife, and I. So we get around having lots of fun with that. So yeah, disneyhacks.com if you're interested in Disney. That's awesome. So if somebody want to reach out to you on social media to talk about Disney or talk about uh, anything that's going on in Vegas, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, at uh, Miles to Memories on Twitter, or uh, if you want for Disney, it's at Best Disney Hacks uh, on Twitter or any of the social media. Sean, I really appreciate you coming on to the podcast to talk about Las Vegas. It's been a pleasure talking to you and I look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thanks for having me, Lee. Big thanks to Sean for coming onto the show and sharing his tips for Las Vegas, Nevada. Show him some love by visiting his site at milestomemories.com and follow him on Twitter at milestomemories. Send me a tweet at We Travel There to show your favorite thing about Las Vegas, Nevada. All the links we talked about today can be found at wetravelthere.com forward slash Las Vegas. We want to say thank you to Dosh for being our sponsor of today's episode. When you aren't using hotel points to book your stay, check out the Dosh Cash Back app to earn up to 40% cash back at over 600,000 hotels around the world. That's money you can use to have more fun while traveling or sock away towards your next trip. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash dosh to download the Dosh Cash Back app today to start booking your hotels. And when you register your credit cards with Dosh, you'll automatically receive cash back when dining or shopping at participating retailers and restaurants. Use the promo code Timmy to let them know we sent you. For questions about an upcoming vacation, visit the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook for the best tips from travelers like you and me. 
Join us next time as we head to the windy city of Chicago, Illinois with Bethany Bayless of the Money Millhouse podcast. Bethany and I talk about going to Cubs games, why you need to visit the Bean, and who has better pizza, Giordano's or Luminati's. Be able to join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.